Have you been told you need to stop doing what you love, whether it's exercise, running, or a sport? Well, here at Dynamic, we don't like that answer. In this podcast, we'll talk to leaders in the health and wellness space from Southwest Florida to get the solutions you need to get you back to doing what you love. Welcome to the Dynamic Naples podcast. What's going on, Naples? This is Dr. Chris wrapping up the nutrition series. Here we go. So let me just start with why I got into this in the first place. So this all started during the pandemic. A few years ago, lockdown, I got bored and decided to get certified nutrition. Just sort of like a value add for my patients. And in that process, they just uh, I uncovered a ton of stuff. I kind of touched on this on the first episode. But uh, if I backtrack a little further back, um, I had been slowly putting on some weight. I had developed a wheeze and a cough. My uh, wife and I had a daughter in 2018. I was kind of chalking up to that, lack of sleep, sympathy pregnancy, but all that was a bunch of BS. Well, mostly. Um, <clears throat> I think I was becoming diabetic, and I think I developed a little bit of autoimmune disease. And I think it was 100% dietary. Because the only thing I've changed has been my diet until recently. I've been working out a little more recently, but uh, that's only a, a newer development. And in that process, I lost a bunch of weight and basically got rid of my wheeze. And I still have a minor cough, but I also had COVID, so it's hard to say uh, where that comes from. So I got certified in nutrition through ISSA, and it was very standardized uh, nutrition stuff. Um, pretty much all the stuff that you typically learn. You know, a, a mixed diet of mostly carbs, some fats, and some proteins. Um, and then I just started doing some research going to, by the way, PubMed, P-U-B-M-E-D, or Google Scholar are great sources of actual peer-reviewed research. I started just researching some of the stuff I've been reading about, and I just slowly uncovered one thing after another. And fast forward two years later, I basically have learned that if you just take all the dietary advice that we have given... And you turn it upside down and said, it tends to be more accurate, which is uh, kind of a strange thing. I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure if there is some nefarious characters at play or this is a more systemic problem and it's a bit of a perfect storm. There are definitely some key players we talked about, like Ansel Keys. I don't think he was necessarily an evil man or anything like that. I just think he uh, fell into the trap of confirmation bias. I think he had... Uh, a theory, and he set out to prove it. And if you've ever done any kind of research, you know that you can sort of massage the data in a way that you want. You can ignore data that you don't like and promote data that you do like. You can change uh, values, like a p-value, which you know tells you how powerful the data is, how significant it is. Uh, there's ways to you know, coax things the way you want to if you want to be a little bit unethical. It's very possible. So it was a bit of a perfect storm where you had, um, like this gentleman I was talking about, um, and then you had Eisenhower who had his heart attack. At the same time, you had, um, you know, the big sugar industry paying off Harvard researchers to basically tell people that uh, sugar is not to blame, but rather saturated fat is. And that's where I think we turned the wrong way well I probably went back before that actually if I really think about it but uh, you know that's where things took a nasty turn that's where the fear of fat came in uh, and you know it's really unfortunate that the word fat is the same thing for someone who's obese and also for the lipid molecule 
if we just called those things different things, maybe there wouldn't be such a fear of fat. But, um, you know, for a long time we thought eating fat made you fat, you know, and that's the very simplistic uh, way of thinking. If that was the case, that's like saying if I ate books, I would get smarter. <laughs> the body is just way more nuanced than that, and it's not that simplistic. So anyway, you know, the system we have, and, you know, maybe this is a flaw of capitalism. I don't know where, you know, the bottom line kind of counts for everything. Um, <clears throat> I think it sort of led to this area that we're in where everything's backwards. Like if you take the food pyramid we're taught in schools and you literally turn it upside down, that's going to be more accurate and closer to what I think should be the human diet. And it's not just my thoughts. It's not just my opinion. This is based on all the research I've done. And off, you know, I'm kind of standing at the shoulders of some giants. There's a lot of other researchers that are out there doing the real work and getting the evidence that basically says that this whole thing is backwards. Um, Benjamin Bickman is one I talk about a lot. I love his approach, which is he says uh, the way to eat is... Prioritize protein. So there's a lot of alliteration here. So PP, prioritize protein, uh, control carbs, and fill with fats. I think that's an approach that I think most people will do well with. So bear in mind that proteins and fats are essential to our bodies, right? We need protein. Right? That builds a million things in our body, and it builds muscle, right? And we know that you know muscle strength is something you should really... Uh, hold on to as long as you can. It's tied to longevity. Um, and then fats are necessary too, that your whole brain and nervous system is most, mostly made of fats. Uh, carbs are non-essential. Our body can produce carbs on their own. I'm not saying carbs are the villain at all, but if the uh, standard American diet is our mark, we are way off where we should be because it puts way too much emphasis on carbs. So when you put all this together, you, you've created this situation where, you know, meat has become demonized. There's been this um, almost propaganda levels of uh, push towards vegetarian veganism, plant-based diets. Nothing wrong with that necessarily, but I'm not sure if that's the most optimal diet for everybody. Uh, in fact, I wrote a whole article on uh, common nutritional deficiencies for vegans. I'll put that in the show notes, just uh, some strategies to... Uh, take care of some of these deficiencies. Anyways, I don't think that is the most optimal diet. That's not how we evolved at all. Not to mention that a lot of these, you know, uh, replacement meals, sort of like um, these fake burgers, these plant-based burgers, they're loaded with seed oils. And these, you know, if there's one thing I, I think that every human should avoid is, is these seed oils. And they're in everything. It's, it's atrocious. But let me be clear, I'm not trying to give uh, nutritional advice. I'm simply stating the, the facts of what I found in the research and what has worked for me. Um, I do recognize that everyone is different and everyone's ancestry is different. And I, I do think we're going to find that some diets work better for people based off of where their ancestry comes from. Northern climates where you have... Uh, a colder season year-round or colder uh, overall temperature. Gonna have <clears throat> tend to have less uh, agriculture and rely more on animals and animal fats. In fact, uh, Inuit tribes used to live almost completely on whale blubber and also had some of the lowest incidences of diabetes, heart attack, and stroke. Whereas uh, people towards um, the equator are going to have much more ab abundant fruit and vegetable supply. Uh, and I think these things matter. I think that we've evolved to eat what's in our environment. So uh, let me kind of take you through 
the way I eat, what's worked for me over the past two years, and what I think has solved a lot of my problems. I basically eat meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Uh, that's what I really focus on. Uh, I eat virtually no grains or pastas or breads, mostly because I react to it. I, I do think I have a gluten sensitivity. Um, you know, every now and then I do cheat. I sneak in a piece of pizza, but then I pay the price, um, and usually I regret it majorly the next day. Um, <clears throat> so. I eat a lot of red meat, uh, so let me pause there and talk about some things with red meat because there's, I mentioned the word propaganda. I think there's a lot of propaganda around the whole cattle red meat industry right now that they uh, can cause cancer. That's based off a lot of observational studies. There's all kinds of problems with observational studies. Uh, there's this ridiculous notion that they increase CO2 emissions through farts, through cow farts. Uh, I don't know why they would suddenly have an increase in CO2. I mean, what about all the other animals at heart? What about all the humans? That just doesn't make any sense. In fact, uh, a lot of these regenerative farms like White Oak Pastures and Belcampo, um, they're finding that they're net negative for carbon emissions. turns out that if you let cattle do the things they're supposed to do, it's actually good for the environment, not bad. So there's a lot of propaganda around that. So... <clears throat> The other thing I wanted to mention is why I prefer red meat over, say, chicken or pork. Uh, well, first of all, red meat is loaded with lots of micronutrients that we need. Uh, chicken and pork don't have quite the same profile. But the problem is really that uh, we've sort of changed what the, these animals eat, unfortunately. So if you can eat grass-fed, grass-finished, that makes a big difference. Uh, because that changes the profile of, of the animal, right? So then you know, they, they tend to be way more omega-3, which is the better one, versus the omega-6 fatty acids. <clears throat> so if you give them grain and soy, they're going to be way higher in omega-6, and that's kind of the nasty stuff, right? So it's a lot easier to find uh, red meat in this country that are grass-fed, grass-finished, uh, much more difficult to find that with pork and chicken. So that's the main reason I focus on red meat. And I just like it better, to be honest. So I eat a lot of red meat. I have at least a steak a day. Um, I eat a lot of eggs. I'll have four or five eggs a day. Um, I do eat cheese. Now, some people do react cheese. I seem to do fine with cheese. I have kefir. I love kefir. Uh, it's like a kind of a raw milk, a fermented milk. Um and occasional fish. I don't go too crazy on fish. I, you know, basically when my wife brings sushi home for me, I'll eat it. <laughs> That's basically my fish consumption. I also do eat a fair amount of fruit. Uh, I focus a lot on berries, lots of blackberries. I love blackberries, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, uh, some watermelon, some mango, um, pineapple. I love a grilled pineapple, by the way. A touch of cinnamon on pineapple on the barbecue is amazing. Um, I do. I'm, I'm not afraid to eat uh, fruit. I'm not afraid of the fructose. I, I think that's kind of bogus. Um, and I do have the occasional little scoop of raw organic honey. Uh, I think it's got a lot of positive benefits too. A lot of antihistamines and things that are really good for your individual environment. So that's generally how I eat. Um, I, I do cheat from time to time. You know, if I'm at a friend's house and they've made a nice dinner and there's some vegetables on the plate. I mean, I'm not going to not eat them. I'll still be a social person. Uh, or same thing if I'm out to a restaurant. If I really want those Brussels sprouts, I will eat them. But I do try to limit my vegetables uh, with the idea that vegetables are not 
just this only positive thing. They do have chemicals in them. We know that these these plant defenses exist, like phytic acid and oxalates. We know these things can have negative consequences on your on your body. And um, I go into that in depth uh, on the episode about autoimmune disease. Uh, you, there's something called molecular mimicry, where these plants can um, basically have the chemicals that they put into your body look like the chemicals that we normally use for some of our cellular processes. And they get involved in that. And basically the immune system recognizes that a cell has been incorporate, incorporated one of these plant defenses into the cell and kills the cell. Then you have an overactive or quote-unquote overactive. I think the immune system is really doing what it's supposed to be doing. But the cell has just brought in a product that's not supposed to be there. That's what the, one of the things that we think can lead to autoimmune disease. Is molecular mimicry is the term. Uh, a lot of people are solving things like lupus multiple sclerosis, acne, all kinds of skin issues. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of uh, autoimmune diseases that people are solving by sort of reducing or even eliminating vegetables. So I do think it is a good idea for anybody who's having any kind of condition uh, to, A, um, try an elimination, elimination diet for a while. I think, you know, like a paleo diet might be good or a carnivore diet might be temporarily good for you. Again, this is not my nutritional advice. Do this with the uh, supervision of a dietitian or a nutritionist or somebody in the field. Um, but I think you can get a lot of information, at least that's what I did, from going pure carnivore temporarily and slowly reintroducing things back into your diet to see what seems to trigger you. Um, I also think getting a CGM or a continuous glucose monitor may be a decent idea if you're getting some diabetic type symptoms. So if, you're, uh, if you've noticed that you're urinating more frequently than you used to, or you've got skin tags, or you've got dark spots under your skin, these are all signs of sort of pre-diabetes. And then it might be a good idea to monitor your glucose levels and see what uh, foods really spike your, your insulin release. I had one patient in particular who had been suffering from sort of these chronic migraines, and she'd been to several physicians, chiropractors uh, saw me, uh, you know, over the course of something like a couple of years and no one could quite figure it out. Um, then she got a continuous glucose monitor and found that basically her migraines were tied to her blood sugar. And once she dialed in her nutrition, it greatly reduced the frequency and intensity of the migraines. Oh, and I forgot to mention when I talk about the foods that I eat. I do my best to get in organ meat when I can, uh, particularly liver. Liver, if there is a multivitamin out there, it's liver. Um, I, I would say egg yolk might be a close second. It's got basically everything you need in it. Um, I don't love the taste of it. I'm working up to it. I'm trying to improve it. Uh, I do try getting heart, like chicken heart in when I can. I've tried kidneys. I can't get kidneys down. Uh, so I, I do think organ meat is just loaded. It's a powerhouse of micronutrients. So uh, if you try this diet that I've been talking about, um, you know, you, and you can't stomach these things, there are uh, companies that do uh, make desiccated organs. They're, called. They're basically freeze-dried organs put into capsule format. So, so you just swallow it. And that's, that's generally what I do. Um, I think that's important to, to really cover all grounds, not just your macros, but your micros. Another food source that I try to prioritize as much as possible is oysters. I, first of all, I love oysters. 
but they um, they're loaded with all kinds of good stuff. But particularly iodine, you know, iodine is something that's not easy to get in your diet, uh, especially if you're avoiding salt. So, um, you know, basically hypothyroidism can lead to goiters, and that's from an iodine deficiency. Uh, the government recognized this way back when, and they started spraying basically iodine on salt. So if you're having normal table salt, you're getting some level of iodine in there. Uh, but there are um, brands of salt, um, like Redmond Salt, that actually pick up iodine naturally from, like, the salt caves, like, mined deep down in uh, Utah. Uh, so that's one brand I like is Redmond. But, uh, you know, in the, the diet, iodine is super important, and it's usually found in coastal regions. So a lot of shellfish, such as oysters, do have good levels of iodine. So I do, whenever I have a chance, I order oysters. Now, I'll tell you, um, if you're listening to this podcast and you think, okay, a diet like this sounds reasonable, and you talk to a healthcare provider, the first thing I say is like it's going to be terrible for your cholesterol. Now, I did a whole episode on the cholesterol thing, but I'm going to touch on it once more. LDL cholesterol is not bad cholesterol on its own. LDL is a molecule that transports cholesterol. It's not even cholesterol itself. It's, it's just like a bus. Uh, and it turns into HDL as it gets smaller, by the way. Uh, on the surface of the molecule is a protein called ApoB, which is the key code. That's what when the LDL arrives at a cell to deliver the cholesterol, the, the cell recognizes the ApoB key code, basically, and it lets the uh, cholesterol into the cell. That's what's supposed to happen. Cholesterol is good, by the way. You need cholesterol. Guess what? Testosterone, estrogen, that's all made of, of cholesterol. You need it. Uh, so to say that cholesterol is bad is uh, a very misguided statement. Uh, the problem is, is when cholesterol, the LDL molecule, I should say, the ApoB protein that's on the surface, sometimes that can get damaged from a diet high in seed oils and processed sugars. Then it's left to go into circulation because the cells don't recognize the molecule anymore because the ApoB protein is damaged. So that's, a, <laughs> that's as short as I could possibly say that. You can go into much more detail on this. I would say the majority, unfortunately, the majority of healthcare practitioners don't understand that level or haven't been taught that really in school. They've been basically been taught LDL is bad, period. Um, and, you know, they, they might be catching a lot of stuff because so many Americans' diets are so bad and so high in seed oils and processed sugars that to address LDL might be good in that scenario. But if you're being smart with your diet and avoiding seed oils, and your processed sugars, or you've eliminated that as well, then you don't have to fear about your LDL. It's, so, by the way, there is a test. I believe it's called a segmentation test or advanced lipid profile test where they can check to see the levels of your healthy LDL versus your damaged LDL tests or LDL levels. Um, that's usually a couple hundred dollars or something like that, but it's not a commonly ordered test. There is a marker, a way to um, sort of get a proxy, an idea of where you stand with that. So if you take your triglycerides and you divide it by your HDL, if that number is less than 1.8, that's good. And if it's greater than 4, that's bad. Okay, so let me say that one more time. Take your triglycerides, divide by your HDL. If it's less than 1.8, that's good. If it's greater than 4, it's bad. So, unfortunately, that this is what we're up against. Uh, we've had a system that for decades or probably longer has been giving us information that's probably not right. Uh, it's relied on a lot of what we call expert opinion. 
as opposed to real peer-reviewed research. And if you look at the hierarchy of any kind of research, expert opinion is the lowest level of uh, evidence, uh, the weakest level of evidence. But uh, this stuff has become dogmatic. Avoid sugar, or, or, sorry, avoid salt, wrong. Avoid the sun, wrong. Avoid uh, fat, wrong. Uh, eat a diet high in carbs, probably wrong. Definitely wrong if it's going to be high in, in grains. Um, unfortunately, this is the information we'll be giving. You, you have to almost be your own advocate. Uh, there's a lot of fear around the whole cholesterol thing, as I touched on, and a lot of fear of saturated fat, and this is just... It's just bad information, unfortunately. If you want to get into more of this stuff, uh, when I mentioned that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, I'm talking about people like Dr. Paul Mason of Australia. He talks a lot about cholesterol and, and diabetes. And Dr. Kate Shanahan talks a lot about the seed oils and also cholesterol. Uh, Dr. Ken Berry kind of talks about everything. He spends a lot of time talking about uh, insulin and, and, and thyroid, uh, hypothyroidism. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Bickman, who's all about the fat molecule and insulin. Uh, these guys have been key players for me. Paul Saladino, Dr. Paul Saladino, definitely a polarizing uh, person. But, uh, you know, I really appreciate his level of evidence all around the carnivore and animal-based diet. And that's the thing is all these, these practitioners, they provide all the evidence. This is not just expert opinion. Also check out Brian Sanders. Uh, he follow his Instagram account, Food Lies or Food Dot Lies, I believe it is. He's in the middle of producing a documentary that's going to cover all this stuff in great detail. I'm very excited for his documentary. Uh, so these days, unfortunately, you basically have to be your own advocate. So if you're looking for some more advice uh, or someone to turn to just for some general questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at chris at dynamicnaples.com. Uh, and that's going to do it for this series. So season two is over, the nutrition series. I'm sure I'll find more information out. I'll probably be dropping in some episodes in the future that are nutrition-related. But look forward to season three where I'll get back to interviewing some local providers. That's all for now. I'll talk to you soon. Do you have unexplained pain or do you wonder just how healthy you are? When was the last time you had your blood tested? Blood chemistry analysis is a great way to stay ahead of any health conditions, and now you can have control of your health with Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked is an incredible company that sends blood tests to your home. You can choose from over 30 different tests, whether that's liver function, testosterone, micronutrient, cholesterol, or C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. It's sent to you with free shipping, and you get your results in two to five days, no physician referral needed. Use the code DPT30 for 30% off. Go to letsgetcheck.com and use the code DPT30. Did you know that you can get started with physical therapy without a physician's referral? Physical therapists don't just solve pain. We get down to the root cause and keep it from coming back. We also discuss all things health, such as nutrition and lifestyle changes. If you feel that you could use some help, let's get on a free consult call. Go to www.dynamicnaples.com and sign up for a free call. Also, if you like this podcast, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us spread the message. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.